Welcome to Battleground Politics. I'm Lauren Make. There are big changes ahead for Philadelphia City Hall and not just with a new mayor. The man who has been city council president since 2012 and served on council for more than a decade before that is leaving. I sat down with Daryl Clark to talk about what's ahead for Philadelphia and for him, power in City Hall and whether he thinks he would have been a good mayor. Council President Daryl Clark joins us now in studio. Welcome. Thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. So you are in the final weeks. Yeah. How are you feeling at this moment? Uh, mixed emotions. Um, I understood that it was time for me to do something different, but the reality is, is that every time I'm involved with things during the latter phase, particularly as it relates to solving a problem, I get the little nostalgia thing going on. And so um, it's something that I've never done in my life is retire. Uh, so I don't know what it will bring. Um, but. I understand that uh, I will still be involved in public life, uh, in public service in particular, uh, trying to achieve whatever I didn't achieve uh, as a council president and continuing to be supportive of all the people that are going to be doing the good work of the city of Philadelphia. So whatever I'm asked to do, uh, I will help to make sure that we continue to move forward because I think we've achieved quite a bit over the last several years. Trying to achieve whatever you didn't achieve. Do you, are you leaving with a list? Yeah, I actually want to do more with young people, more with children. Uh, as a council president, you know, you have a lot of responsibilities, starting with the budget, uh, starting with the primary focus of running the council, um, 16 other different personalities and making sure the council people have the necessary resources, working with the mayor. Um, so it's a broad-based, comprehensive uh, level of responsibility. But at the end of the day, I want to do some more for young people, um, some sort of um, mentoring uh, some sort of helping point young people in the right direction. I think we can achieve the long-term goal that is having the city that we all want uh, in terms of reducing gun violence, in terms of getting the education at a place that we need to do, people having an opportunity uh, to have a family-sustaining job or a career. Uh, so I'm going to be focusing somewhat on that. Are you still comfortable with your decision to leave? Uh, one thing about me, when I make a decision, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, once I make it, that's it, you know. And um, I must tell you that I had some reservations leading up to that decision, back and forth, but I had to realize that at some point, you got to make a decision. And I made it, and I'm okay. Now, I feel good about um, the next council president, the next council. Obviously, I feel real good about the next mayor, uh, as I effectively call her um, and affectionately my little sister. Um, so I'm optimistic. Um, people will take this to another level. Um, people are excited. I see the synergy in the room where we're all engaged and we're going to genuinely work together um, as we're indicating that we're going to do during these press conferences. Um, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. You are going to be part of her intergovernmental roundtable as a senior advisor. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? What are you expecting you'll be doing? Well, I, I, when, when she asked me and it was announced, I didn't know that if it was that I was the oldest person in the room or I had the most institutional knowledge. It's probably a little bit of both, but at the end of the day, uh, over the years, I've been fortunate enough to have relationships with people on the state level, the federal level, and obviously the local level. So it puts me in a position where I can interact with people. I'm hoping that we identify the resources that are available first and foremost. Um, being involved with the poverty initiative, our moonshot as we call it, 
we realize that there's so many resources and opportunities out there that we haven't taken advantage of. So that would be my primary focus as an advisor. Um, I like for people to understand that um, as the mayor-elect said, working together, we can achieve so much more, uh, particularly given the fact that we need or likely need some enabling legislation out of Harrisburg. And if you can make the case, uh, we should be in a better position to move forward, particularly on the economic front. Um, the federal government don't know where that's going to go. 24 will tell a lot, but at the end of the day, we need to be engaged. Um, we did work together uh, at one point in time, but it, it was the creation of a COVID American recovery plan that caused us to work together. And I kind of like the way that we work together, not necessarily for the reason that we had to work together, but we literally every week we had a team's call between the federal, state, and local government to talk about what was available, what we can expect, what we can anticipate, and it worked well and it kind of got us through that period in time um, that has that been used as a model since then well we kind of walked away i mean just like a lot of people still believe that there's no COVID out there and the bottom line is we haven't had the level of interaction that we should have continued um so i like the fact that the mayor is talking about uh, bringing that back together um understanding that we have one goal one city um and i like the fact that she understands the need to do that and people right now are on board so but we do have to roll up our sleeves because there's going to be a lot of work to do um, the ability from a technocrat or technicians perspective we got to have people to identify these resources and put it on paper and then we have to have the legislators uh, working along with the executive branch implement those you talked about the um, the one Philly, mm -hmm. um, and that's sort of become a chant yeah. at, at some of her public remarks um, and I was I was watching you actually as they were chanting and I was thinking uh, the other day as you were at that news conference um, announcing that that roundtable um, and they were doing that sort of chant and I was thinking though about how um, one of the things that you have been known for is championing um, the powers of, of district council members mm -hmm. and neighborhood groups to make decisions in different parts of the city which means that different parts of the city are different and then right. you would have a different experience depending on where you live. How does that sort of approach fly with the one Philadelphia? I think there will never be a time that a person doesn't take the responsibility uh, to speak out about their particular neighborhood, their particular block. That's never going to change. The question is, is it done as a part of a strategy, as a part of a policy? Uh, I represent the most diverse district in the state. Um, Rittenhouse Square, 32nd and Cumberland, you know, Temple University, Fairmount Spring Garden. And at the end of the day, when you talk to people, they all want the same thing. They want a quality of life in a the neighborhood. They want a good education for their child. They want a family sustaining career and opportunity. So it's clear that we, when we approach our responsibility as elected officials and being able to put resources on the table, it shouldn't be a particular resource for that neighborhood, not, not that neighborhood, because everybody wants the same thing. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, if it were easy, we would have done that already. But I think having this one Philly theme, it will cause people to work together and approach it on a macro level in terms of ensuring that those things that I referenced earlier happen in every neighborhood in the city of Philadelphia. One of the things that uh, you um, initiated and, and, and sort of took ownership of um, in the past year more recently was the creation of a chief public safety 
director for the city of Philadelphia, which we do not have at this point. Um, we have a new administration coming in. Have you gotten any indication from uh, Mayor-elect Parker whether she will look to put somebody in that role? Yes, yes. Mayor Parker supported that uh, when she was a member of council. Uh, we understand the need to have somebody who is responsible for coordinating all activities. The bottom line is, as good as um, soon-to-be Commissioner Bethel is, he shouldn't have to call the Department of Recreation to make sure that there's adequate resources and playgrounds for young people to have something to do other than getting themselves in some bad trouble. Um, we, this particular person, and we've seen this in other cities, we went to Trenton as a result, and we met with the Trenton mayor uh, about a year or so ago, and they had a chief public safety officer, and he was talking about the coordination of all aspects. They reduced violent crime in the city of Trenton over the summer. They did not have a single homicide over a 90-day period, and they talked about the need to quickly get to a point where if somebody needed a job, somebody needed training, somebody needed recreational activities, that coordinator would make sure that that would happen in, in a way that can be beneficial to all aspects of the government. Um, this is going to be a job that will not tell the police commissioner what to do. There was some concern about that. will not tell the manager and director what to do, but they will coordinate all those activities. For years, we've talked about having a comprehensive approach to public safety that person will be responsible for coordinating those activities and report directly to the mayor. How quickly do you expect that a person will be in that position? Do you expect that they'll start at the beginning of the administration with the police commissioner? Yeah, I mean, I would hope as soon as possible, but you know. Is that one of the things you're advising her on? Well, you know, I'm gonna be advising her more in the intergovernmental uh, activity that we're looking at. I, I've made a decision to leave the government of the city of Philadelphia, and I don't wanna try even remotely attempt to micromanage what people are doing, because uh, I won't be in that position anymore. But I will give advice, but it will be more on intergovernmental activities. Yeah. When, when that idea of a chief public safety officer um, or director came up, um, there was some talk about you know, whether this was, um, was the council trying to you know, flex some muscle here over the mayor. Um, you've been in City Hall for a very long time. You've seen multiple administrations kind of Tell me where you think the balance of power is now and how it has shifted. Um, does, does council have more power than it used to? Um, does the mayor have less power than they used to? Um, what have you seen over the years? Well, you know, as a person responsible for a number of legislative initiatives, particularly charter changes, it has involved council much more than it was in prior years. But the simple reality is, is that pretty much every um, legislation um, person or entity that the mayor sent up to city council to be confirmed or um, for us to fund a particular initiative, we've done that. But it is a much more inclusive process now because unlike the administration, the executive branch, there are no public forums as it relates to making decisions about how resources, how budgets are put together. In city council, we have to do everything in a very public way. And I think that's beneficial. Um, when we were in a position to localized the school district and we essentially um, took back local control from the state. Uh, right now, every member of the school board must come in a very public way in city council and testify as to why they need to be a member of the school board. And it's worked well. Um, similarly, on the new zoning board, uh, we've expanded the zoning board to require that two individuals from community groups be a part of the zoning board. Was there ever a point where you thought, okay, maybe we're going too far and we're pushing 
uh, putting too much power in council versus the mayor's office? Well, I, you know, I don't like to characterize as it power. I just think it's a more an inclusive Influence? process. Well, inclusive. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, people got elected to represent either a council district or the city at large, and it makes sense for those people who speak for people to be a part of whatever process that we have in a meaningful way. Uh, I don't think that council should pick the police commissioner as an example or should pick the streets commissioner, but when it comes times for funding of those departments, it should be a process that allows the citizens to weigh in, which is what we have. So, You could have taken a different route uh, a number of times. Do you think you would have been a good mayor? Yes. Why? Because I understand the government, I understand people, I understand uh, the process, but I made a decision. Um, the fire never lit in the gut, and you need to really want to do that. And I thought that my position as council president gave me an opportunity to achieve quite a few things. But if you're going to run for mayor and you want to be the mayor, you have to want to be the mayor in every imaginable way. So I made a decision um, when a lot of people were pushing me uh, after Nutter, um, Mayor Nutter. And at the end of the day, um, it never, the fire never lit. And I said, you can't go into this thing half-baked. So um, I think that I made the right decision then. I made the right decision now. And if you look at the track record of what we've done as a council, uh, it's quite significant if I had to say so myself. Yeah. One of the people who had um, been supportive of the idea of you running for mayor was John Doherty, mm -hmm. um, the former um, IBEW leader uh, who was uh, convicted in, in a corruption case with former council member and former majority leader Bobby Heenan. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at sort of that, that period of time, um, how much power did John Doherty have in City Hall? He had a lot of influence um, to a degree, but he probably boasted about his influence um, that had no basis for reality. Um, and John Doherty was a person, as you said, that supported me, was a council member and the potential run for mayor, as all of the building trades and most of the unions did. But, you know, he didn't necessarily have control over council, as some people like to say. Um, he would, council went their way, um, Mr. Doherty would say that he had something to do with that particular initiative. Um, that's his style. Uh, was he a, in city council when we passed the bill? Absolutely. But did was he the underlying reason why we passed the bill? Not necessarily the case and likely not the case. Um, but at the end of the day, um, according to the government, and again, um, on particularly one case, um, he went a little too far and he merged his ability to try to influence legislation with other issues and he was found guilty. Uh, now he's under trial for what he did internally within the union. But at the end of the day, uh, I just believe council members um, should in uh, pretty much every instance made the decision based on the constituents that they represent. And Is anything different today in City Hall in terms of the potential for someone to come in and have the kind of influence yeah. um, he did? Yeah, I mean, I would hope so. Um, but has it? Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm feel comfortable. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, everybody is individually elected, and you have to use the right judgment, you know? And if you don't, there's potential for a problem. 
Um, we have had expanded diversion as it relates to the ethics training. Uh, we're requiring now every member of council and staff to be trained by the ethics board a couple of times a year. Um, we've talked about uh, having some additional training because being an elected official is a little different than being a staffer. Um, I've had personal conversations and advice as to, you know, the potential for a problem as it relates to people coming to you and you'd be amazed at some of the stuff that people come to you and ask you to do and your antenna should go up, you know. The way things are structured um, with the power that council members do have and things like what's called councilmanic prerogative, yeah. Yeah. does that does that open the door to sort of put, potentially put members in, in compromising positions just by the way it's structured? No, I, I think this whole notion about, as the press refers to it, as councilmatic prerogative, is actually a requirement by the city charter of the city of Philadelphia. If you look in the charter, it says every disposition and acquisition of land use must go through a legislative process. We happen to be legislators. Um, I think that the members that have gotten in trouble um, use bad judgment. You know, at the end of the day, just like anybody else doing any other job. Um, unfortunately, um, you, you have the public trust when you take these jobs. We stand on the stage and we take an oath of office, you know, not only to the city of Philadelphia, but to the state constitution. Um, so I'm hoping um, that members use the appropriate judgment. Um, don't put yourself in a position where you end up having a problem with the criminal justice system, particularly um, the folks at Six and Arch and Six and Market, um, the U.S. Attorney's Office. So we've tried to do every imaginable type of training, every imaginable um, type of access to documents that refer to you not doing certain things. And a person just has to use the appropriate judgment in my mind. Um. One of the issues that you and um, all elected officials in Philadelphia have had to deal with um, along, the along with the residents of the city is gun violence. Um, and you have certainly seen the frustration that people have had um, with the level of gun violence. Um, and it, you know, there were times where it felt like people wanted someone to pound on a table and say we're gonna make some big changes. And, and I don't know that you're the pound on a table kind of guy and neither is Mayor Kenny, but um, can you say at this point that the city, with, while you were involved, did everything it could to bring that gun violence down? Yeah, yeah I think that within our jurisdiction as a council person, we did everything that we could um, I tell people all the time, although I'm a very public person, you know, in terms of people seeing us on the street, there I'll stop the violence. I said, well, I'm not the police officer, I'm not the district attorney, right? But if you're telling me to put money in the budget for programs that will be used for violence prevention requests, we made a promise, we kept that promise. More than $200 million over the couple, last couple of uh, budget sessions. If you ask us to create legislation that will streamline the process for people to have better economic opportunity. We did that. Uh, at the end of the day, um, it is clear that there was some division between the executive branch, i.e. the police department and the district attorney. Uh, and I can say it, I've had a number of conversations with the district attorney where I didn't, elite, uh, didn't necessarily agree in his approach to his part of law enforcement. Um, you know, I think he, 
didn't do the things that I thought were appropriate, but at the end of the day, he got elected by the people of the city of Philadelphia. I'm starting to see a change uh, his approach. Um, uh, we're all for giving people second chances, third chances, but too frequently, um, and I don't want to mention the most recent incident, where you see an individual that gets arrested and you look at the record, this person has been involved in the criminal justice system for quite some time. And the question from the residents of the city is like, why is this person not in jail somewhere? Or why is this person not in a program that will require that they report on a consistent basis? And I don't think that we've done enough on that part of it. You know, I mentioned the fact at a press conference that people ask me all the time um, that they want to go back to the Ramsey and Nutter approach with stop and frisk. I just mentioned that, but at the end of the day, when you poll certain people in certain neighborhoods, they want it to come back. Uh, the mayor-elect says that she will, uh, along with the new police commission, use every constitutionally um, required uh, program, and that includes Terry Stop, that if you have a just cause, you can do a Terry Stop, which is stopping a person and requiring that they respond to certain police requests. Um, people are tired. People are sick and tired of what's going on in these neighborhoods. Are the numbers down uh, from last year? Yes, they are. They will be, and they are. But at the end of the day, the time when we get satisfied with 500 homicides in a year or 450, we have a real problem in the city of Philadelphia. So the new police commissioner and the new mayor have indicated a willingness to be a, a little more aggressive as it relates to solving crime. I what like, does that mean what it, to you? What does it mean? To well, you I mean, it, it means implementing Terry stops in a way that people understand that we're doing Terry stops. You know, most people don't know that we're doing that. Uh, I said it before. I like to see the, the district attorney um, be a little more aggressive. You know, this whole conversation right now about retail theft as it relates to what happened in Macy's, you know, we had budget hearings and we brought that issue up about stores going out of a business because the retail theft was too high and there's getting made it right aids getting ready to close in in my neighborhood you know after having half the merchandise locked up right they're going to move right and i don't know if it relates to retail theft but at the end of the day um the district attorney indicated that it had more to do with um some larger uh, cartel and i was kind of listening to the testimony as it relates to fencing operation for retail theft and i'm saying people are just taking stuff out of the stores and these small businesses cannot maintain uh, the level of operation that they need if every day they lose four three four hundred dollars of merchandise and they made decisions to move so clearly there needs to be some level of response to a person that gets caught with retail theft uh, in the city of Philadelphia, and I think that we should be a little more aggressive about a number of things. Because um, at the end of the day, the people have spoken. The people want something done about violent crime because we can't move forward as a city to the level that we should until we deal with this issue around crime and violence in our city. I started by asking you if you thought that elected, elected officials, that you, that you all had done everything you could, and you kind of said yes, but now it sounds like maybe not. Well within our power. And I'm saying as a council person, we've done everything that we could. Um, I'm not the police commissioner and I'm not the DA. Um, if I were, um, I made the decision not to do either one of those, um, I probably would approach some things a little more differently. Um, this whole issue about cooperation, and that's why I like the fact that the mayor-elect is talking about one Philly uh, intergovernmental, uh, inter 
uh, relationships and it shouldn't just be about federal, state, and local. It should be about local, local, local. You know, the police department, the district attorney's office, council as it relates to providing resources and the executive branch, you know, working together to deal with this issue of violent crime in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, we've made a number of proposals. Uh, we funded um, security cameras across the city of Philadelphia. Most recently, we're proposing that we use drones uh, to make safe corridors around schools. Uh, you know, every other municipality is doing things a little bit differently, and it's time for us to start thinking about doing that here. So you're going to be part of that um, intergovernmental um, roundtable. Would you, would you take a job in the Parker administration? No, I'm, I'm good. I'm retired from local government. Um, I will do whatever I need to do on a voluntary basis to be a board of commission, but I'm not interested in working for the city of Philadelphia um, because I will be getting uh, hopefully a pension check in about a month uh, under the law. You can't do both, so I'm good. Uh, well, you have been um, nominated by Governor Josh Shapiro to serve on the, the Liquor Control Board. Right. Um, tell me why that's interesting to you. So my first level of interest had to do with the infamous stop and goes, uh, which were these corner stores where people believe in these neighborhoods that uh, they were a significant contributor to a lot of crime in the neighborhoods because there were people were congregating around it. They were selling um, enhanced malt liquor, all the other things. And now there's this thing with selling drug paraphernalia out of these stores. Um, that they're a real problem in neighborhoods across the city of Philadelphia. This issue with respect to nuisance bars. Uh, I'm a big quality of life kind of guy. Uh, so I was interested in that. Uh, as a matter of fact, prior to the governor nominating me uh, to this particular board, we were looking at possibly suing because we believed that there was some level of, of discriminatory practices as it related to the promotion in the marketing of certain types of beer in neighborhoods and certain minority communities. It was marketed uh, as this, for this high alcoholic content to sometime higher than, you know, whiskey. Um, but in other neighborhoods, it was marketed for Coors Light and Bud's Lights, not to give you anybody a plug. And I thought that was wrong, you know. So I actually told some folks who work for the state that I was thinking about suing and I was told you likely would lose. Uh, but then, lo and behold, the governor and I had a conversation, and he asked me about the LCB. Uh, since I've started this process, I've talked to uh, senators, uh, state senators across the state, and I found out it is a whole lot more as it relates to this agency. And it has actually intrigued me, uh, gave me a lot more interest. Um, a $3 billion department in the state, uh, significant contribution to the general fund, the state police, and all the other things. But at the end of the day, it's a service-oriented type of department, and people in various parts of the state uh, would like to have service, um, learned about special order, um, wine and spirits, um, learned about um, the fact that in some particular communities, people literally have to drive an hour to get wine and spirits. And in some neighborhoods, it's like three blocks. Every three blocks, you got a wine and spirits store. Um, so I, it was been a very interesting conversation. And did I read you don't drink? Is that correct? Did, did somebody tell you that? Somebody did. Uh, I don't want to damage my uh, possibility of being on the liquor control board, so I won't say that now. People might say, "Oh, you don't drink. What do you know about that?" Is it true? Uh, that's, a, <laughs> I don't, that's a personal question. I have. I mean, I, I, people haven't seen me drink. 
Um, I don't think that elected officials and people got to make their own decisions that you should be out drinking and driving and all the other things. So I refrain from drinking when I'm on duty. Uh, all right. Well, I know that you'll have some uh, some some celebrations to mark as you uh, as you mark the end of your time at City Hall yeah. um, with whatever you are um, toasting with. Um, so, Council President Clark, I appreciate uh, I appreciate time. You good talking Thank to you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was my conversation with outgoing Philadelphia City Council President Daryl Clark. You can find more battleground politics on our website. Just go to nbc10.com/battlegroundpolitics and. You can subscribe for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts.